Maxine and the team, thanks for leading us this morning. I don't know about you, church, but when we were bringing the name of our Lord upon our lips, then you just sense that sense of anointing. And that's just by bringing the, the name of our Savior upon our lips. There is power in his name. Praise God. Just before we come around the word, would you just bow your heads with me and let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Blessed Father, we want to thank you that you are God, just an, an amazing God. Father, it doesn't matter how many times we mention that and we say that, we, or we even say thank you, Lord, it's never enough. But Lord, you are so gracious and so glorious, and we thank you, Father, for all that you have done. We thank you, Father, for how you stepped down, Lord God, into this world. You became one of us. And Lord, as we, as the world rejoices, Lord, we pray, God, help us to see you more clearly. So God, we pray that you will come now, open hearts and minds, and Lord, will you speak through your vessel, by your spirit, through your word, and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. It's good to see you all this morning. And the wait is almost over, church. Just one more sleep, and then we can rip open our presents and tuck into our turkey dinners while fellowshipping and gathering around with our loved ones. And it's going to be great. Amen. Amen? Yeah. Now, while we are enjoying the festivities and the celebrations, let us also take time out and to pray for those who may not necessarily be in a good place at this particular time of the year. As Christmas for many and for some, it can serve as a bit of a pain point somewhere. So let us be mindful of our brother and our sister. But let us encourage one another that regardless of where we may be, whether we're on the top of the mountain or whether we are deep in the valley, let us remind ourselves that the solution to all our woes has come. And so with that in mind, I've entitled this morning's message as simply, Fear Not, for unto us a Savior is born. And I've gleaned some wonderful insights from various theologians like Daryl Johnson and others. And I pray that it blesses you and builds you up this morning. And so if you have your Bibles with you, then please open up and come with me to the Gospel of Luke. And we're going to read from chapter 2 and verses 1 to 20. And it reads... In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them 
in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly... There was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now during this time of year, Many renowned leaders around the world will give their Christmas speeches, including our King. And I do pray that our King's Christmas speech would be just as evangelistic as our Queen's used to be. Amen? Amen. Now, as great as Christmas speeches are, they all pale in comparison to that first angelic speech concerning the Christ child. Because scholars tell us that the first Christmas announcement was simply spectacular. And let's get into it. Now just to set our text into its historical context and to provide some background, up to this point there was nothing but silence. I mean... During the intertestamental period, the time between the Old and New Testaments, a time spanning approximately 400 years, heaven was silent. In that there were no angelic visitations, no signs and wonders, and no prophet had prophesied, but heaven was silent. And then, all of a sudden, The silence is shattered when an angel from the realm of glory brings the good news about the birth of a saviour. Praise God. And this morning, I would like us to hone in on the angel's proclamation because it is highly charged and fully loaded. 
In fact, why don't you just turn to your neighbor right now and say, get ready to be blessed by his word. Go ahead. Now, you may have said that, but do you believe it? Good. Because you are about to be blessed. Now, while the shepherds watched their flocks by night, not washed their socks by night, (laughs) all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it seems, this 400-year-old silence is broken as the angel speaks to lowly shepherds. Now, why on earth do the angels come and proclaim to shepherds of all people? Because shepherds in the first century, they were no longer esteemed. But rather they were considered to occupy the lowest rung of the social ladder, as it were. I know, sad times. Because there was a time when being a shepherd was considered to be an honorable profession, especially when we consider King David and his origins as a young shepherd boy who penned that great psalm, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, right? However, something changed. And the profession of a shepherd, it lost its glitz and glamour. And shepherds now became a despised occupation. And now they were considered unsafe and unclean. Why? Because of the permeating idea of holiness. You see, in order to be considered holy... One would need to keep the ceremonial law, which meant regular visits to the temple and to offer up regular animal sacrifices. But because the shepherds were constantly watching over their flocks, it meant that they couldn't always attend the temple and thus were considered unclean. Now, it's quite ironic that these shepherds were looking after the very animals that would be sacrificed by the very people who despised them. Quite ironic, wouldn't you agree? Anyhow, despite their role and title, the angel brings heaven's proclamation, not to royalty, but rather to lowly shepherds out in a field. And hold that thought, we'll come back to it. Verses 10 and 11, it says, The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Glory. Now, the word good news that this angel brings and uses is the term euangelion in the Greek. And it's from this word that we get other words like evangel, evangelical, and even evangelize from. And this word, it is often thought of in terms of religion, but originally that was not the case. Rather, 
It was commonly used by the Caesars, particularly Augustus, who would often issue statements from on high, as it were. Statements regarding his latest conquests. Statements informing his subjects within the empire of any latest developments, be it new initiatives, new policies, or even new appointments to his cabinet. And so, euangelion was the name given for these types of statements and declarations. And the way in which they were given were via evangels, or more specifically, via Caesar's evangelists. For instance, an evangel would roll into town, and like a town crier would announce, Hear ye, hear ye, by order of the king, and with immediate effect, this is the way in which you are now to live, work, and be. And so... The shepherds were more than familiar with Caesar's evangelists, as Augustus had many times before declared that he was the sole ruler of Rome, who would bring justice and peace to the world. And where others had failed, he would now succeed. And so the shepherds, well, they had heard it all before. But this time... They were hearing the evangel literally from on high. Glory. Verse 11. The angel says, For unto you is born. And let's pause there. Now, it's a bit of a bizarre statement to make, don't you think? Unto you a child is born. I mean... If a neighbor on your street came and knocked on your door and said, number 21, I've just had a baby and this child is born unto you, you would think that they were a bit of a fruit loop now, wouldn't you? <laughs> I mean, congratulations to mom and dad, but for the rest of the street, really? However, the child born to Mary was and is good news for all. Because the proclamation is for all people everywhere and for all time. Whether Jew or Gentile, Indian, American, English or Chinese, past, present and future, this child is good news for all. Amen. How? Because it's the proclamation of the birth of a new world leader who is forming a new government. For unto us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Hallelujah. Joy to the world, the Lord is born. Let earth receive her king. Amen. You see, the proclamation of this king, it isn't fairy tale and fantasy, but rather he is a real historical figure. Which is why 
Dr. Luke and Matthew the tax collector, the two prominent writers of the Christmas narrative, begin by referring to people like Augustus, Quirinius, and Herod. In other words, during those times in history, when Augustus thought he ruled the world, when Quirinius tried to rule Syria under Roman occupation, and when Herod, that corrupt narcissist, tried to rule Israel, in those days, a new leader was born. And long after the Caesars and the Herods, as they have all come and gone, Christ will still shine bright because he's not in the limelight. He is the limelight, as Brother Shailin once said. Or in the words of Handel, he shall reign forever and ever, forever and ever. Hallelujah. Come on. Why? Because his rule and his reign will know no end. Isaiah 9, 7. Praise Jesus. Unto you is born the Savior of the world. And again, we often think of words like Savior are often tied to religion, but their origins tell us otherwise. You see, the word savior or soter in the Greek was a word that was commonly used by the emperors like Augustus. In fact, Augustus loved this word so much that he would often refer to himself as the soter or the savior of Rome. And embedded within this term, there is a wide range of expectation and function. And that it means peacemaker and reconciler, wise man and educator, a builder of buildings, a builder of roads, an administrator of a new social order and protector and even healer. See, encompassed within this word, or all of those things. And this is how Augustus saw himself. But when the shepherds heard the angel exclaim, to you is born a savior of the world, they heard that this child will now bring true peace and everlasting joy. Because he is the one who meets every expectation and fulfills every function that Caesar claimed for himself. Because he is our high priest and pontiff and our bridge builder, who administrates justice and who bridges the chasm between God and man. Amen. Therefore, we no longer need to be afraid because a new soter or savior is born. Glory. Now, when I first became a Christian, 
I thought that Christ was the surname of our Lord and that his parents were Mr. and Mrs. Christ. <laughs> and don't tell me none of you thought that either when you were first saved. And I was shocked to learn that that wasn't the case. As you know, Christ comes from the Greek term Christos, which is a translation from the Hebrew Mashiach or Messiah, and they both mean the anointed one. And so, when the angel says, unto you is born a saviour who is Christ, he means the child born unto us is no other than the anointed one of God, the Messiah. And here what the angel is doing is he's connecting the dots back to the Jewish world. How? Because it is through Messiah that every promise of Yahweh is fulfilled. Because it is through the Messiah who cleanses and renews and brings the shalom of God. It is the Messiah who inherits a kingdom that will know no end. And it is in, in the Messiah that all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Genesis 22, 18. In other words, all of the promises of God are yea and amen in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 1, 20. Praise him. And all of that is contained within just a couple of verses in Luke's gospel. So richly loaded, is it not? Are you still with me, church? Yes. Are you still tracking? Yes. Because there is more. Because the angel doesn't stop there. But he goes on to say that this child is Christ the Lord. Wow. Now, what's the significance of that? Well, the word Lord in the Greek is the term kurios, which generally means Lord and Master. However, in the Roman and in the Jewish world, it meant so much more. For instance, in the Roman world, the emperor would refer to himself and expect others also to call him Kurios, to assert his sovereign rule. Now, sadly, we don't have an equivalent in the English which adequately captures the essence of this word. Because prime minister, not sovereign enough. President, not sovereign enough. Crown prince doesn't quite cut it. But kurios, or Kaiser kurios in the Roman world, conveyed sovereignty, authority, and rule. In the Jewish world, kurios meant even more. Because kurios was the substitute word for the sacred name of Yahweh. You see... Orthodox Jews would never utter the name of Yahweh. They would never bring it upon their lips for fear of violating the third commandment, which is, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And so, whenever the scriptures were read out loud, 
And whenever they came across the holy name of God, they would substitute the word Yahweh for Adonai, which means my Lord. Later, when the Hebrew scriptures were translated into Greek, Adonai was rendered as kurios, essentially meaning God himself. And so, when the angel brought the evangel or the good news of Jesus, he was saying, a true savior is born unto you who is both Christ and God. In other words, lying in a manger, you will find Yahweh himself, the sovereign Lord of glory, the maker of heaven and earth, lying there in a manger. Can somebody give the Lord praise? Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Praise him. And so, the evangel of the angel, or the good news that he brings, is fear not, for unto you a saviour is born. He was born as a baby. He preached as a child. He was killed as a man. He rose as a victor, and he is coming back as sovereign king. That's my Jesus. Glory. And so the implication of all that is that we don't have to fear nothing or no one. Because the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear when he's the strength of my life? Psalm 27, 1. Amen. You see, when we truly grasp the truth of the one born, then it transforms us from being like little kittens to now emerging like roaring lions who roar the gospel wherever we go. And it all stems from the angel's annunciation of fear not. Praise him. Now, coming back to the question of why the angel went to shepherds of all people. Well, it was because shepherds knew exactly what it meant to feel disenfranchised, rejected, and cut off from society. And sadly, I know a thing or two about that also. Because you see, this smartly dressed pastor standing before you was once considered an outcast of society, addicted to class A drugs and bound up in desperation and despair. But thanks be to God that he dispatched his angel to bring the evangel to, of the shepherd, of the savior who would come for people like you and I. Amen. Because when the angel brought the euangelion to rejected shepherds, it signaled the birth of a new movement, a new government, and a new way of doing things under a new value system. In other words, 
the barrier between the classes was abolished. And now we all stand on level ground before him, from the lowest of the low to the highest of the high, from the poor and the destitute to the rich and famous. Because under his new order, there will be no nepotism or favoritism, no hierarchy or oligarchy, but here in the sheer grace of God, we all stand. Amen. Amen. Now, your story may not be as extreme as mine. Quite frankly, it doesn't have to be. Because drugs do not condemn or send anyone to hell. Rather, it is the sin of self-righteousness. The belief that we are quite capable of saving ourselves, which is utter nonsense. But as we come to him humbly, he calls us child. Amen. And that is why the Christ was born, in order to reconcile us back to the Father's heart. And so in this world, while we may grief, grieve, but we don't do so as if we have no hope. We may weep in this broken world, but not as those who have no salvation. Because we know that lying in that manger is the Lord of life, light, and hope. And so the euangelion brought to shepherds in first century Israel, it still speaks to us today in 21st century hollow. And it is simply this. Fear not, for he is with you. Fear not, for he is the one who goes before you and he stands beside you. Or if you want a proof text, Isaiah 41, 10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Isn't that good? So go. Tell it on the mountain. Put it up on your social media feed and send it out into cyberspace. Joy to the world. The Lord is born. Let earth receive a king. For unto us a savior is born. Let's pray. Thank you, Father. Just before we pray, I want to give you the opportunity to respond. That if you have never known this Christ that we have been singing and sharing about, you may have heard about a baby in a manger, and it's kind of like on the side. But if you have never actually known who this Christ is, and if God has been moving in your heart this morning, and you are at the point where I want to know more, 
It may be a big yes. You may be like, yep, I've heard it all before. I want to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior, then that's great. Or it may even be a case of, I've got questions that I'm still trying to work through. Can someone help me? Wherever you fall in that whole realm and category, I want to encourage you to come and speak to someone. We're here or find somebody else that you can speak to and ask them about this Christ. Because he came. You see, religion is you've got to do X, Y, and Z in order for you to, to get to heaven. But Christ is God's answer and his way of coming to us. And he came. He was born over 2,000 years ago. And as we've been singing, one day he will wipe away all the sorrow and the tears from your eyes. And there will be infinite joy in his presence. But the only way to know him is by receiving him. And so if you don't know this Christ, I urge you, come to know him today. And come and speak to one of us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Lord, we, even though, Father, we go through the whole Christmas routine, Father, year in, year out, Lord, and there are times when we just become so inoculated against it that it doesn't even just bounces off of us. But my Father, I pray that, God, will you open our eyes and our hearts afresh that we may see and behold great wonders and great beauty and glory, Father, in the Christmas story. That God, that will you just enravage our hearts again. Father, we pray that God, for those who don't know you, that they will, Lord, step out by faith and come to know you, that they will call on your name and that, Lord, you will save and deliver them, Father. And, Lord, let your joy be, Lord, just so evident upon them. Father, we pray for those who know you already, who have perhaps been walking with you for a year, five years, 20 years, Lord God, and more. We pray, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Father, that the more we know you, the more, Father, we yearn for you, the more, Lord God, we desire you that we never get to a place where we know it, we've been there, done that, and that's the end of it. But Lord, you always show us something more, that there are so many layers, Lord God, to our repentance and our faith, Lord God. And until, Father, you come here or we go to you, Lord God, we will still be, Father, going through that whole routine. But Lord Jesus, I pray that God, that you will just, Father, as... Lord, will you surprise us once again? And Father, show us and reveal more of your Son by your Spirit for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.